This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of Episode 18, Chapter 18 of Insomnia. At the beginning of this episode, we have Addie leading Parker into the nurse's office, where she has come up with a plan that will allow him to get rest during his study period during school. Addie and Finn are working together to make things much easier on Parker, both to make eye contact with Mia without it being uncomfortable or scary, but also to make it through the rest of the day without risking eye contact with someone else. Parker is making some progress in Mia's nightmares as well. He is trying to help her through them, and he's decided that if he is going to be the bad guy in them, he can make her see him as the good guy as well. Parker and Finn have a confrontation with Matt and Thor in the hallway. And that's it for your recap of Chapter 18. Stick around now for Chapter 19 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy! Insomnia, The Nightwalkers Written by J.R. Johansson Narrated by Roy Samuelson 19. It felt weird to follow Mia around and try to make sure she didn't see me for a change, but I didn't know how else to find people to add to our list of suspects. Finn and I were parked across the street from the Greenleaf Medical Office Complex for the fourth time. It had been almost an hour since we had watched Mia walk inside. A plaque beside the door read, Dr. Clive G. Freeberg, CHT, Freeberg Hypnotherapy Clinic. The wide window beside the front door of the clinic still had a few fake spider webs and miniature dancing skeletons decorating the corners, even though Halloween was more than a week ago. But at least it gave us a clear view of the reception desk and waiting area. From what we'd seen, there was no receptionist, just a heavy older man with a thin silver mustache and wire-rimmed glasses who opened the door for Mia when she arrived. His bald head shone in the fading sunlight, and he had a band of salt-and-pepper hair just above his ears. He always led her through a door to the right side. He was the only person we ever saw at the office. It was an easy bet that he was Dr. Freeberg. Movement inside caught my attention, and I watched Mia walk out the door with the therapist just behind her. They talked for a minute in the doorway. His hand rested on her shoulder, but as she spoke, he slid it back and forth on her arm in a way that made me uncomfortable. He often stood a little too close to her in the first place, but this contact was just... something was up with this guy. Mia smiled and laughed, oblivious. But the way he was watching her reminded me of a guy on a diet, hanging out at an endless dessert bar. Finn yawned. 
I don't know what hypnotherapy is exactly, but this guy must be doing something that is helping her. Well, she definitely seems to be in a better mood after her appointments. It's good. The first time when she came out sobbing, Finn frowned and shook his head. There's just something about girls crying, man. I'm not a fan. Still, I think we need to put him on the list. I picked up the paper and scribbled in his name. It had a grand total of six suspects now. Thor, Jeff, Chad, Mr. Sparks, Matt, who he added after he took Mia out to a movie last week, and Dr. Freeberg. Six. And none of them really seemed like an obviously threatening stalker type. If this were a game of Clue, we'd be getting our butts kicked. Oh yeah, definitely. Freeberg should get his own freaky list, if you ask me. Finn turned my car on and pulled into traffic, a few car lengths behind Mia's truck. Agreed. I propped my elbow up on the door and turned to Finn. Something had been bothering me, but I had hoped we'd find answers fast so I wouldn't have to bring it up. That didn't seem to be happening, though. Mia really seems sure I'm the one sending the emails. Well, you were acting pretty creeptastic for a while there. Finn didn't even take his eyes off the road. I know. I watched her purple pick up a few cars ahead and frowned. But what if there's more to it than that? Now Finn glanced over at me. Like? I don't know. I shook my head. It just seems like she knows it. Maybe it says something in the email? Why would someone want to make it sound like it was you? Exactly what I've been wondering. Turning away, I rested my forehead against the window. And, more importantly, who would want to do that to me? Finn didn't respond, but when I looked over, I saw him tugging on his ear. He was thinking it over. That was all I could ask. We followed Mia until she pulled into her subdivision, just to make sure she was heading home. Finn glanced at me and drove into a nearby driveway to turn the car around. I rubbed my eyes against the light of the setting sun. It felt so good to close them, so necessary. Two weeks had passed since Mia's first nightmare, and there hadn't even been a hint of her peaceful dreams since. I craved them, both mentally and physically. You look beat, man. Want me to drive you home and keep your car tonight? Before I could answer, he added, I'll pick you up before school tomorrow. No, that's all right. Just drive to your house. I opened my eyes all the way and tried to look awake. I can get myself home. Finn looked doubtful, but he put the car in gear anyway. I'd driven half of the way between Finn's house and mine before I recognized the black motorcycle behind me. In the glare of a streetlight, I saw that same patch on his jacket. Blind skull. After all the time I'd spent following Mia, I knew how it was done. I wanted to be sure he was really following me, and it wasn't just a coincidence. So I took a couple of sudden turns, and when he was still behind me, pulled into a nearby grocery store. I sat in the car until I saw him park a few stalls back and three rows over. Who was this guy? What did he want with me? As much as I might deserve to be stalked after what I had done to Mia, I was too tired to put up with this anymore. I got out of the car, but instead of heading for the store entrance, I turned and walked directly toward him. He was quick, obviously watching me. Before I even made it past the first row of cars, he revved the engine and sped toward the exit. Dad's voice echoed in my head. The blind skull sees more than you think. I stood for a moment, watching his taillight as he raced off into the dark. I couldn't help but wonder, 
What exactly did he see? When I got back to the car, I added Blind Skull to the bottom of our suspect list. If I didn't hurry, I was going to be late. Again. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo. Surrounded by enemies, the once great nation of Bravka has been torn in two by the Shadow Fold, a swath of near impenetrable darkness crawling with monsters who feast on human flesh. Now its fate may rest on the shoulders of one lonely refugee. Alina Starkov has never been good at anything, but when her regiment is attacked on the Fold and her best friend is brutally injured, Alina reveals a dormant power that saves her life, a power that could be the key to setting her war-ravaged country free. Wrenched from everything she knows, Alina is whisked away to the royal court to be trained as a member of the Grisha, the magical elite led by the mysterious Darkling. Yet nothing in this lavish world is what it seems. With darkness looming and an entire kingdom depending on her untamed power, Alina will have to confront the secrets of the Grisha and the secrets of her heart. I've read several of Lee's books and I love everything she writes. So basically anything by Lee Bardugo, read it. So, whether you decide to go with my recommendation of Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo, or opt to select a different audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads. That's audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you, because we now continue with Insomnia. Grabbing a bagel from the half-empty bag on the counter, I pulled my backpack over my shoulder and was almost out the door before my mom's voice stopped me. Parker, wait. She was sitting in the corner of the living room in the dark. Weird. I thought she'd already left. This didn't look good. I'm going to be late. You're going to talk to me. Mom reached up and flipped on a lamp on the table beside her. And you're not leaving until you do. My backpack slipped off my shoulder when I saw her. She was still in her robe and slippers, and her eyes were swollen and puffy. Mom, dreams of losing my dad, and me. What's wrong? My muscles felt leaden. I couldn't move. Is it dad? Her brow furrowed in confusion, and she shook her head. No. Her voice was stiff, distant. I released the breath I had been holding. I was a fool. He wasn't coming back. He was never coming back. Then what's wrong? Where were you last night? I shook my head. What are you talking about? I was here. Stop lying. She was on her feet in an instant. I checked on you at four this morning and you were gone. Where were you, Parker? Where? Her one repeated word was like a lighthouse, slicing through the fog of my reasoning my justifications. It shone like a high beam, vividly displaying the monster I had become. A memory of Addie's dream where I sat in Mia's tree outside her window hit my brain like a semi-truck. The air caught in my chest, and it took me a minute to breathe. It hadn't felt like a dream, because it was no dream. I had actually been there, sitting outside her window, watching her. I had no memory of going there, no memory of climbing the tree and no memory of coming home. That wasn't last night, though, I reminded myself. Where had I been last night? 
And then I remembered the morning my window was open. Had I snuck out that night as well? I closed my eyes and focused on keeping myself upright, on keeping my lungs breathing in and out as my brain flew into a state of total panic. What was happening to me? My life had become like watching myself in someone else's dream. I had lost control of everything. School, soccer, sleep, my whole life. Even my mind had started betraying me. Please tell me where my 16-year-old son needs to be at four in the morning, Parker, because I've been sitting here since then, trying to figure it out. Her fists were balled up, and she was walking back and forth between me and the chair. Even after Dad left, I had never seen her this angry. Did you see me come back? I asked, surprised at how calm my voice sounded. My mind scrambled for answers as I tried to keep from curling into the fetal position on the floor. Where had I been? The truth was simple and horrifying. I had no idea. No. When I came to check again, you were asleep. You must have come back in through your window. Tears rolled down her face, but she didn't seem any less furious. I just... I crossed my arms, searching for an answer. Any answer but the one I now knew was true. I could have been anywhere, doing anything. To anyone. Don't think that gets you out of anything. I don't care if you weren't gone long. You don't sneak out in the middle of the night. I just went for a walk, Mom. Relax. Didn't she realize this wasn't helping? How was I supposed to panic about where I had been when she kept freaking out? She sighed and came over to me until she was nearly standing on my toes. When she spoke, her voice was so soft and full of pain it felt like an icicle in my heart. Do I really look that stupid? Reaching out, she took my hand. Parker, I know there is something going on. Something is wrong, and I want to help you, but I can't if you won't talk to me. I don't understand what's happening. All I'm asking for is a little honesty. I promise I won't be mad. It wasn't her anger that I was afraid of. She couldn't know the truth about me. She'd be so disappointed that I had gotten so out of control. I couldn't be just one more person who let her down, one more burden. I'd fix this and handle it on my own. Mom, school is just stressing me out. I had to clear my head or I wasn't going to be able to sleep. I tried not to cringe. Have you even tried the sleeping pills Dr. Brown gave you? They don't help, Mom. I kicked my toe against the carpet. But it doesn't matter. Everything is okay. No. It's not, honey. I know it's not. She gripped my arm and pulled me down closer. I mean, if it's illegal. Seriously? This again? Jerking out of her grasp, I backed away. I couldn't deal with this. Not now. For the millionth time, I'm clean. Although I might as well start taking something if you're going to accuse me of it anyway. Parker, you need help. Mom yelled as I started to walk out of the house. No, Mom, not from you, I don't. I slammed the door behind me and left before I could hear her yelling or crying anymore. I only drove a block before I pulled over and got out of the car. I was shaking, my world crumbling. The car was too small, the space around me so tight and confined. I had to breathe real air, fresh air. I fell on my knees in the dirt behind someone's dried-up rosebush, two blocks from my house 
and tried to understand how I had somehow become a watcher of my own life. That night, I stared at my own eyes in the mirror on my dresser. Maybe if I looked hard enough, I could see who I really was. I could almost see both sides now, the dark and the light, in constant battle. And I couldn't go back to what I'd been before. Parker, dreams, doesn't dream, only lives at the expense of others. What kind of creep sits in a tree watching a girl through her bedroom window? What was I becoming? With shaking hands, I unzipped my backpack and pulled out the crumpled paper and a pen from the front pocket. As I touched my pen to the paper, my phone started vibrating on the table next to my bed. I picked it up and silenced it without even looking to see who was calling. I knew it was Finn or Addie, and I knew what they wanted. I had avoided them as much as possible at school today, but that couldn't last long. I had to accept the fact that if I didn't know what I was doing, if I was losing that much control, then I had no idea how dangerous I really was. And I could never, ever forgive myself if I hurt them. With a quick, deep breath, I wrote my own name at the bottom of the suspect list. Every letter felt like a brand on my skin, like writing it out made it real. I stuffed the list into my bag, barely resisting the urge to erase my name and take it all back. All I could do was hope it wasn't true. Glancing down at the dresser, I saw my dental floss sitting there. It bordered on ridiculous that something so small and simple might be able to contain me. But if I tied my wrist to my bedpost, in the morning, I would at least know if I had gone somewhere or not. The floss wouldn't lie to me the way my mind could. From now on, I would know if I stayed in bed at night. It sucked that I couldn't trust myself anymore, but it was the only way to be sure. Addie and Finn continued helping me make eye contact, even though they could tell I was hiding something from them. It shouldn't have surprised me. They had always been there when I needed them most. Mia's beautiful dreams were still missing but her nightmare continued to change for the better every night, and the pain dulled a little more. The beginning never changed. As long as it was a memory, it couldn't. She cried in front of her burning house, and I held her until she looked at me. It never altered. One night, Mia's hand reached for me the moment we were in the hall at the school. When I grabbed it, she glanced at me in confusion a few times as we ran, but she never let go for the rest of the nightmare. The next night, when we got to the end of the hall, she clasped my hand tighter. When it came to the point where she usually called me a monster, she didn't. Instead, she just bit her lip and cast a furtive glance in my direction. I murmured low in her ear, trying to convince her to fight back, to make the nightmare stop, but she gave a very slight shake of her head. Instead, she closed her eyes and tucked both hands into mine. The nightmare continued around us, but we refused to be a part of the terrible things her mind was doing to her. It had made a difference in real life, too. When Mia glanced my way at school, she looked more confused than scared. Addie said she still wouldn't talk about me, but she didn't freak out the way she used to. Maybe I could convince Mia to trust me, both in her dreams and in reality, even if I didn't trust myself. Although, why should either of us believe in me when the time lapses kept getting worse? The floss I used to tie my wrist to the headboard was intact for the first two days I used it. Then, I woke up the third morning and found it ripped in half. Tonight, I decided to try rope. 
it wouldn't be nearly as easy to rip as the floss. I needed to be certain I wasn't merely breaking it by thrashing around at night. Maybe I was just a wild sleeper. I kept hoping the most reasonable explanation would be the answer here, that it wasn't what I feared. As I tried to relax my tense muscles, I kept telling myself it could be true. The rope would still be in place the next morning. I just wished I could make myself believe it. When I woke up, yawning, I smiled at the weight of the rope still around my wrist. But as I lifted my arm, my blood turned to ice. Just below the knot, the rope had been cut. I held it close for a better look. It was a clean cut. It hadn't been ripped apart or gnawed off. Getting to my feet, I searched my nightstand for anything sharp enough to slice the rope into. I'd put my scissors in Mom's office the night before. I'd been very careful about that. I couldn't see anything else in my room that would cut the rope so cleanly. I checked under the bed, in my backpack. There was nothing else. I reached one hand under my mattress, and it came to rest on cold metal. Swallowing, I pulled it out with one trembling hand. The dark red box cutter still had the blade exposed. My breath caught in my throat. I dropped it on my bed and sat in my desk chair staring at it. I had never seen it before. I didn't even know we owned a box cutter. Wrapping my arms around my knees, I rocked back and forth, trying in vain to find any other explanation for it. Was this the psychosis the doctor mentioned? Please, no. But I couldn't trust my own mind. If I was inventive enough during my blackouts to do this, then it didn't matter whether it was floss or thick rope. Until I was ready to ask Thor to sit on me while I slept, I'd get out one way or another. I grabbed the box cutter off the bed, retracted the blade, walked into the kitchen, and threw it in the garbage. My hands wouldn't stop sweating. My pounding heartbeat made my head throb, and I leaned my forehead against the cool glass of the dining room window. Something inside kept telling me to ask Finn for help, but I was ashamed to tell anyone how much control I'd lost. I wasn't ready. Not now. Not yet. The thought of admitting it out loud scared me almost more than anything else. I switched back to floss when I ran out of rope, which happens surprisingly fast when you cut it into one-inch pieces in your sleep. Sometimes I woke up with my wrist chafed, like I might have broken the floss by thrashing around. Other times, my computer monitor was on, not on screensaver, in the middle of the night. Once, my window was open again, and the bottom of my bed was covered in snow and footprints. I had no way to know what I was doing during these times, who I was with, who I could be hurting. Even following the snowy footsteps through the yard didn't give me any insight. Once they reached the shoveled sidewalk, I couldn't track them anymore. By now, weeks had passed. Thanksgiving was coming up soon, and I was on the verge of giving up on ever finding a way to help Mia. But then... Her dream changed even more. After the fire at her house, she stopped crying earlier than usual. She didn't glance up at me, and I knew why. For whatever reason, any time she looked at me, the rest of the nightmare started. Parker? Mia's voice sounded muffled against my chest. She was so full of conflicting emotions I felt guilty. My heartbeat raced. I had never expected her to try to talk back. Yeah. Which one are you? 
It wasn't hard to figure out what she was asking. I'm not the monster, Mia. I pulled her closer. Her hands gripped my shirt tight. They were shaking. Then, who is? She glanced up at me and the nightmare shifted around us. Recognizing her mistake, she slammed her eyelids shut. But it was too late. The school walls closed in and I heard the footsteps of darkness coming behind us. I raced toward the end of the hall, practically dragging her in my wake. Only a moment. That was all I needed. Before he could catch up, I pulled her to face me and lifted her chin until she met my eyes again. I don't know who it is, but I promise you, I will find out. Her eyes flitted back and forth between me and darkness as she nodded. The nightmare went on, but this time, he was different. It was still me, but my image flickered like static on an old TV screen. Hope filled me when I realized that for the first time, she doubted. Just when I was becoming convinced of my own guilt, Mia wasn't sure anymore. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 19. As an author, sometimes you get your best ideas when your brain is busy doing other things. Like something monotonous, like driving, taking a shower, cleaning, or when you're trying to turn it off for the night. I keep a notepad next to my bed because I've often had ideas in the middle of the night that I think are genius, only to not be able to remember what they are the next morning. When I was writing this particular scene, I had a breakthrough that I thought was genius at the time. I jotted it down, and the next morning when I looked at my notepad, I had written, Tooth floss is the answer. The problem, by morning, not only did I not know what that meant, I also wasn't sure what problem I was solving. So <laughs> it took a couple days, but it finally did come back to me. I'd been looking for a solution of how Parker could keep track of whether he'd been getting out of bed or not, and that wouldn't keep him bound there because he had to find the answer for himself. If he was getting out of bed, if he was doing things, if he was losing time and he didn't know what he was doing, then he was much more dangerous than he thought he was. And he had to have that answer for himself. He had to know. So as you can see here from this chapter, tooth floss was the answer. <laughs> it did work. Um, it just uh, took me a minute to figure out why it was the answer. <laughs> and that's it for the Authorly Insight section on chapter 19. Thanks for listening. I will see you next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.